1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to Hello. today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Well, other than being a little bit unshaven, I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. All things uh, considered, you know the news about SVB Friday hit um, me personally and a lot mm. of the people that I do mm. business with pretty directly. So I didn't spend a lot of time shaving this weekend, though I did happen to get to a an early Saint Patrick's Day parade, so it's been excellent,
1: a little yeah, excellent. Well, we're going to talk about what you mentioned on the front end uh, yeah. in, in about ten minutes here, and get some of your you and Kevin's take. Kevin, yeah. how you doing today?
2: Well, you know, I'm uh, apprehensive. Let's put it that way. Uh, okay. You know, uh, I live in uh, on the East Coast, the Washington D.C. area. You know, and everybody went through. Sunday where we lost that at our sleep with the clocks jumping forward. And, and now, and I got to jump on a plane tomorrow and fly out to the West coast, to San Francisco. <laughs> um, so my uh, circadian rhythm is going to be, as they say in the military, AFU, baby.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I like that. And I also like how you pronounced uh, the city where the giants and the Niners play San Francisco. So yeah. emphasis on that last uh, syllable. Well, Greg and Kevin, great to have you back. Uh, Greg, of course, Kevin joins us every second Tuesday of the month for a digital transformers version of the supply chain buzz. And as if that's not great enough to have Kevin mm-hmm. with us, we've got a, a special guest joining in about 1225 today as Michael Patel with Fulfilled is going to be joining us as well. So, hey, beyond Greg and Kevin and Michael's POV and expertise, we want to hear yours. So I see a few folks already in the comments. We're gonna say hello in just a moment. Okay, so Greg and Kevin. Before we get to work, I want to do some programming notes. We're gonna say hello to a few folks, and then we we've, we've got a lot of, lot of stuff to get into today that I think folks can find very informational and and hopefully inspirational. We'll see. Scott, yes, sir. You,
2: know, we, you know we only have a five-pound bag. Why do you keep right. bringing 10 pounds?
1: <laughs> it's in my nature, man. It is in <laughs> my nature. What Everything we can fit in that five-pound bag. It's the opposite <laughs> of shrinkflation, right, Greg? It's the opposite. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's right. You know, uh, on that point, Scott, yeah. I discovered that B- Budweiser longnecks are now only 11 ounces.
1: Oh, really? they're cutting back. Man, they really snuck that ounce, that 12th ounce out of there, huh?
0: Yeah, the bottle is just slightly smaller. Mm. Um, They're
1: it's trying really to help important.
2: you protect your girlish figure there.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: I just made it, I just drank 12. So it would, yeah. <laughs> there we go, you made it <laughs> up. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about uh, uh, leveling up. So, anyway, so let's let's share a couple of quick uh, opportunities for folks. So, first off, um We're really excited about this webinar coming up March 21st. Who's not creating content these days, right? We're going to be offering Mm up uh, five tips for creating effective digital content. Greg and I are bringing in a couple of friends. Y'all may know them. I know Kevin does. Ursula Ringham with SAP. And the one and only Brandy Boatner with IBM. Uh, Brandy, who hosts uh, a wonderful um, uh, podcast, a radio show she's going to talk more about. But uh, Kevin, Brandy is quite the rock and roll star, huh?
2: Oh, absolutely. I got the opportunity to hang out with her at the uh, Wilmington up in uh, Wimbledon, uh, up in New York earlier uh, this year. I guess it was this year. (laughs) That was fun. Maybe it was last year. Yeah. But that was fun. We had um, out on the lawn uh, there uh, uh, by Brooklyn Bridge, you know, watching uh, on the big screen, the uh, Wimbledon.
1: Well, I saw lots of, of content from that, and, and it was very entertaining, engaging, educational. A lot of stuff we're going out, we're, we're getting after on this March 21st webinar. So, Greg, looking forward to that one. And then, secondly, I want to share with folks. So, this was uh, with that said over the weekend. So, Greg, uh, we need to sit down and talk about this one day. Instant replay in the NFL, of course, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, your team, the reigning. Uh, world champions, but we came up with a little. This little, uh, we talked about instant replay, and maybe applying instant replay to the global business space. And we were like, "Hey, well, maybe it should be continuous pre-play, right? Kind of a little play <laughs> on giving folks information they need." Greg, uh, your your thoughts? Whether it's instant replay or continuous pre-play or the Chiefs?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's funny. You, uh, I love, I love this phrase. Uh, I heard once somebody say. Hindsight is 50-50, mm. which may be more accurate than 2020. <laughs> and if you think about it, the way we talk about pre-play or pre, um, which, what should we say, premonition, you know. guys, forecasting, and that sort of thing, we use hindsight to try and gauge what the future will be. So in business, it's a pretty different experience. Now, to football.
2: Using hindsight to gain foresight, and we found out, you know, during the pandemic, that don't work, baby, in right. supply chain. That don't work.
0: That's right. Uh, <laughs> what is it they say? Past performance is no indication of future value, right? Yes. <laughs> now, on, on the NFL field, I would say, yes, instant, and when I say instant, instant replay could be used to, to uh, challenge certain calls, like calls where it's called roughing the passer when, in fact, by the time the passer hits the ground, he's no longer the ball carrier, and the ball has mm-hmm. already been turned over to the defense. Chris Jones and Derek Clark. Um,
1: so
2: more AI and instant replay.
1: Yes, that's right. Well, and, and as Greg and Kevin are illustrating, we had a lot of fun uh, with this notion of instant replay within business. And and look, we really put it out there to hopefully inspire some conversations and get y'all's take. So. Do that. Check that out. Uh, we also dropped a link in the chat. Uh, we publish with that said just about every Saturday morning, LinkedIn newsletter. And come on and join about 20,393 of your uh, best friends as we uh, dive 94. into those conversations. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> All right. You a ticker.
0: Kevin, we <laughs> need a ticker in the corner.
1: Yes, we do. <laughs> All right hey, that, building that has been uh, certainly a, a passionate project, the whole team here, because we launched that probably, Greg, what, four months ago, maybe? Something like that. It doesn't seem like
0: that long, but I think it has been, yeah. And yeah.
1: it's grown so fast, right? That's right. We've gotten a ton of feedback. So y'all join in and let us know what you'd like to see. Uh, but, But most importantly, join in the conversation. Um, all right, so Kevin and Greg, we're going to say hello to a few folks, and then we're going to dive into uh, a couple of big uh, stories and segments. Uh, see, Xanabu, tuning in via LinkedIn from Kenya. Great to see you here today. John Perry, one of our faves. John, hopefully you brought that great sense of humor today, one of our favorites here around uh, on the buzz. Angela, tuned in from North Carolina via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Angela. Demaine Harris from Metro Detroit. I love that. Yeah via LinkedIn. We're bounced, man. Yeah, let us know what part of the of uh, the reinvigorated city of Detroit that you, you are hailing from. Joseph, guys are great. Love last week's webinar and you drew me back in. Joseph, man, I appreciate <laughs> yes, that. But I was out. They pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joseph, thank you for the feedback. We uh, certainly, um, we're very grateful for lots and lots of feedback. Uh Antonio, from Detroit as well, Detroit. okay. Yeah, man. Detroit is in the house. You
2: know, last night I saw this uh, show about uh, Detroit's son, Eminem.
1: <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> you saw Eminem's backstory, huh? Yeah. Uh,
2: that's pretty. That was that was pretty enlightening.
1: Okay. All right. We'll have to check that out. Greg is tuned in from Wisconsin. Uh, zero inches of snow. I think that's supposed to be ten. No, ten inches of snow. Yeah. 10 oh, inches 10. <laughs> My eyes are messing with me. And he says, Go Marquette. Hey, everybody is filling out their brackets right now. I know yeah. our team is. We got an internal challenge. But, Greg, great to have you back as always. And, hey, moms, good morning, Leah Luton from Aiken, South Carolina.
2: Hey, Leah. Thank you. What a shout out. I like that.
1: Yeah, everybody's a big fan of Greg and Kevin. So great to have mom as part of the conversation. Um, okay. You're still
2: paying, all right?
1: Yeah, well, she gets oh, that. Okay. She's an ambassador, <laughs> paid ambassador. I should, I should, I should put that out there, right, Greg? <laughs> so every other day, she gets, she
2: gets
1: paid. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, you came to the right place here today. Supply Chain Buzz takes place every Monday at twelve noon Eastern Time. We've got a jam up episode. We got two big things we're gonna dive into with Greg and Kevin, and then we have got our special guest Michael Patel will fulfill joining us about twelve twenty five. So, uh. Let's start with this. Let's get let's get to work here. So, Greg, um, of course, really, um, you know, kidding aside, some really tough news and developments that have been coming out in the last uh, three or four days. So, uh, SVP Silicon Valley Bank, the second biggest bank to ever go under, and then the third biggest in Signature. Paula, that. So, um, rather than dive into the story, folks can find that across different headlines. I'd rather dial it in with your expertise. As you mentioned on the front end, I mean, this has your, been your space for no more than two decades, right? That's our standing rule. Thank you for saying that. But you, you've you got a unique purview on the situation because of the different angles and different um, sectors and positions you've been in as a fellow founder, but also as an investor, you know, uh, in, uh, experience in the P space and a lot more. So tell us, what would your advice to fellow founders be when it comes to navigating these these cash flow pitfalls, I'll call them?
0: Uh, first of all, I think a little bit of backstory is appropriate here because before Friday or Thursday, almost no one had heard of, of Silicon Valley Bank if you weren't in the tech space, the 16th biggest bank in the country, still huge, $209 billion in assets under management, 90% of which was not insured because of the size of accounts. So this is the bank that, and the reason that Scott we need to talk about this, right? Is this is the bank that founders and venture capitalists and private equity firms put their money into 250,000 insured, but often tens of millions or even billions of dollars in accounts at this bank. And so many, many, uh, companies were highly exposed when, when Mm -hmm. the bank went under it, it actually was taken over by the FDIC. They walk in, they tell everyone you're fired. They shut the doors and literally chain lock them in so many cases. Wow. And, and the bank literally goes away. It goes away virtually instantaneously. The FDIC creates another bank into which everyone's assets are moved. That's the insured bank. Um, and up to 250000 your money is insured. And we saw a lot of rhetoric over the weekend, especially politicians and bureaucrats. Of course, they have to be heard. Um, they have to feel seen and be seen. <laughs> Um, And and a lot of them said, we're not going to backstop the bank. Well, of course, we never backstop the bank. We backstop the depositors. So I think that's the thing we have to recognize here. Janet Yellen literally did nothing. The FDIC did all this work based on the the structure that is in place. And so far, it looks like all uh, deposits will be secured and restored and I believe have been restored as of today from the reserves okay. that the FDIC has. But it did, let's think about what day it is, right? It is March 13th, two days from March 15th. Most companies pay on a twice monthly schedule. So on Friday, tens of thousands of companies found out they won't be able to make p- payroll on, mm. on Monday, right? Because they have to send it to the bank get it scheduled to be paid and all that sort of thing. So that creates quite the crisis. Will we ever get our money back creates quite the crisis, right? How could this happen? I mean, Mm. if you've been following any of this on the news or through the multiple phone calls that I've gotten over the weekend, um, then you understand the strain that this puts on the market. There's lots of speculation as to whether other banks will go down. Signature bank did go down. Um, Other banks got, Got backstopped. Uh, First Republic, which is a big competitor, relatively big competitor of SVB, got money from JP Morgan. Um, SVB UK got bought for one pound, not one pound, of anything, just one one right. great Britain pound um, by HSBC. Mm. And that's if, if SVB in the States sells, that's what it'll sell for. But in the meantime, these companies had an incredible liquidity crisis, right? Tens of millions or even billions of dollars just disappeared overnight. Fortunately, that's been taken care of. But um, one one lesson we can learn here from these banks is don't put yourself in a cash flow crisis. And I say that to founders, to businesses, whether you're in technology or not, and to banks, because we will see more bank failures. It's, It's inevitable. This is not a singular effect. There's already been a bank in India. 116 year old bank that will probably go out of business on, on the back of, of SVB, but don't put yourself in a liquidity crisis. And part of the problem is that so many companies in the tech space have been betting on really, really risky things because they got this huge influx of cash and they thought, well, we can't deploy all this to improve the company all at once. So in the meantime, let's invest it. Let's invest it in things like bonds and crypto. God help you if you've done, (laughs) Um, and other things that that they've been trying to make extra money on, um, or they've tied up their money in in CDs or other things that have been growing interest as interest has gotten um, so much so much higher. Right, Mm that both the interest that we pay and the interest that we can receive on deposits. Yeah. So focus on what you're good at. Put your money into what your business is, and recognize that your business is building software or building widgets, right? Or employing um, labor or or delivering services or whatever it is, you know, moving trucks, that sort of thing. Put your money into something that you know and that you can control to avoid this kind of liquidity crisis. That's probably the best advice that I can give. The other is, Scott, we were just talking about hindsight is 50-50 or 20-20 or whatever the right. hell you want to call it. <laughs> the hindsight, as we know, is not necessarily a gauge of the future. And for thirteen years we've been on this great bull run of economy where money was essentially free, interest rates right. were almost zero. Yeah. And as rates started to increase, people didn't change their understanding of their business model. They were blind to this. And if you go to my commentary, I go into a little bit more detail on that. But also recognize when the world is changing. Don't see everything that doesn't affirm your current belief as a blip right or as a glitch in the matrix or whatever recognize that things could be changing and that it could be an accumulation of issues like this silicon valley bank every bank should have seen this coming yeah right and and it's an it took an unbelievable amount of hubris gluttony Greed, not just greed and avarice, which, by the way, is redundant. They didn't mean to say both in the title. (laughs) And they got me to use that article. And just sloth, thinking we can just sit back here and make money because we've been doing it for 13 years. Well, the game has changed, Mm. and it's time to recognize that. It's way past time to recognize that. And I encourage companies to get ahead of that. Look around corners. Look for problems, not away from problems. Look at look at changes and recognize that they could be foundational changes to the environment that you're playing in. right it's like if you start a football game on a sunny day and it suddenly starts snowing or in the old chicago bears game it gets so foggy that you can't see a pass thrown or coming at you you right. have to change how you play the game when, when things change that dramatically
1: greg well said and really yeah. enjoyed and maybe the team can drop the link to your must see POV, your supply chain commentary every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Kevin, let me get your thoughts here. But one of the things I heard from Greg is stick to your strengths. You know, don't act like T Row Price if you're T Row Payne or, or a software <laughs> founder. Software <laughs> Kevin, your thoughts here.
2: Well, I mean, the first thing, and I agree with everything that, that Greg said, but foundational to that, what he said is that business is about using assets tangible and intangible, but assets, things that have value to deliver value to society. You know, business isn't about leverage. trying to leverage something that has no value. Um, And that brings up like the difference between cryptocurrency, which many cryptocurrencies, there are no underlying assets. Right. And crypto securities where there are actual assets that support the crypto security mm. um and the the thing that if you're running a business uh like svb you know they tried they took their customers money and invested in the bond market mm-hmm. but when the bond market was losing and they were losing uh in the crypto as well management didn't didn't change anything. They just sat there. Mm. Um, it was just a, um, it was a lack of management, uh, taking care of doing their job, their fiduciary responsibilities. Mm. All right. And, you know, that's just, that's just wrong. That's just being a crook. That's just not doing your job. You know, and uh, I, I, I feel for companies that may get, you know, have a liquidity crisis because of things that are outside of their control. Right. But this wasn't outside their control. This was, you know. <laughs> <Right. laughs> this is a self-inflicted wound, Kevin. Mm. Yeah. 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 So no pity here. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Greg and Kevin. Greg and Kevin, I appreciate uh, both of y'all's perspective here. I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about this in, in the shows to come. But uh, for the sake of today's show, we've got about five, six minutes before we bring in our, our guest. and I want to touch on I want to get closer to what we we usually uh, touch on all the time, which is global supply chain. and And Kevin, you've got that you brought this article uh, today where we talk about, hey, don't start and stop with just robotics when it comes to (laughs) really going after all that digital transformation offers. So tell us more here, Kevin.
2: Well, no, robots uh, are a part of digital transformation, right? And when you do deploy robots, you also need to look at your own business processes Uh, and you use robotic process automation. But many enterprises have actually encountered roadblocks when they use RPA. And they found it was very lacking and they couldn't achieve all of the benefits of digital transformation. And the reasons for that is because a lot of times RPA kind of falls short when it comes to execution with projects taking you know, nine, 10 months to get deployed. Uh, RPAs really don't address the front end user interface, okay? And it doesn't define new workflows. You as the owner of the business that know the business supposedly need to redefine the workflows. And RPA has limited ability to really automate processes end to end, okay? And they can break. So you have to do your job in monitoring. I mean, humans are important even in robotic process automation right okay and and so when you are trying to govern these robots across bart farms it becomes very challenging uh especially when the enterprises are using bots from multiple vendors to do different things mm. so what that means is that you really have to be intelligent about your automation Uh, and that requires the orchestration of automation technologies like process mapping and uh, you need to leverage intelligent technology like artificial intelligence, machine learning and computer vision. Uh, And finally, you need a solid next-gen IT infrastructure that's built on top of cloud with applications that run in containers on composable infrastructures. And if you don't understand that last sentence, you're gonna fail (laughs) in digital transformation. And that's that's really what's happening out there. People aren't, you know, um, they don't understand the foundation Mm. of digital transformation.
1: All right. So, Greg, I'm going to, you to chime in really quickly here. But one of the things I heard here from Kevin is orchestration, right? Uh, take advantage of robots, everything that digital transformation offers. But you got to have a Mozart or Lydia Tarr involved <laughs> yeah. to, to, to make it a, 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 to maestro it all. Greg, your thoughts here? Yeah, well, I think um, it, digital transformation
0: isn't about digital at all as Kevin has often told us, right. I mean, this is one thing I've learned from the master over the last several years is it's not about digital at all to his point. It's about enabling, uh, or, re- or replacing activities that, that humans are doing or used to do or shouldn't do. Right. It's those right. dark, dirty, dangerous and dull jobs. It's things like that. Um, but you know, one thing that you said, uh, about the implementations i think a couple things need need to change one we need to re- realize that ai built ai actual intelligence builds artificial intelligence and for artificial intelligence to to become educated to become intelligence it has to ingest actual intelligence which comes yeah. from humans and the actions that they've done or the outcomes they desire in a process the things that they know about the data or the process or the goals. Um, and so it, it's critical that we make that link between people. Um, and the other is to recognize that, you know, I say this all the time, real digital transformation, it isn't a spreadsheet, it isn't even RPA. I mean, RPA, first of all, it stuns me, Kevin, that it could take nine months to do that. Most of <laughs> that could be done, most RPA could be done with a keystroke recorder and some, you know, and some very simple logic. It, it did an invoice arrive, yes. Check this field, that field, the other field, whatever, right? So um, there's not a lot Simple of- Simple
2: tasks, that's what it's designed for.
0: That, right. There's not there's not a lot of science in RPA. So it is ground level digital transformation at best. A lot of what, Kevin, you talk about, it is AI, it is blockchain, it is transformational and scientific, it is doing things as humans would do them with much greater speed, much greater accuracy, right, and much less human intervention or, or repetitive motion errors.
2: Much yeah. less human errors. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Right. And and it is really it, it really is transformational to the business. This is RPA is is kind of like the spreadsheet of automation if you want to <laughs> think of it that way. It's really really cool, and it does great stuff. But it, but it's not, it's not the top of the heap. And I think we need to think about what digital transformation, first of all, is for. It is for an outcome. And if you start with that outcome and work your way backwards, sure, you'll do some RPA, probably do some AI, may even do some blockchain or, or other things. Right. Mm-hmm. But the key is to focus on how it enables people to either do a job more effectively, like assistive robots do. Or to not do a job that humans are not fit for that requires greater accuracy or danger or repetitive motion that we don't want humans to have to be involved in.
1: Right. All right. We've got to leave it there. Thank you, Greg and Kevin. Always love talking digital transformation with Kevin L. Jackson. But, hey, we got a great second half of the show here. We've got a very special guest joining us. Uh, Greg and Kevin. With no further ado, I want to uh, bring him right on in, Michael Patel, Chief Technology Officer with Fulfilled.
3: Hey, hey Michael, how you doing? Hey, everybody! Happy uh, Happy Monday from the High Plains, right. Denver, right. Colorado. Is it seventy or snowing, Michael?
2: <laughs> I wish you, wait a <laughs> yeah. second! It just changed.
3: <laughs> I saw. <that. laughs> I hope no, it doesn't ruin our our St. Patty's Day plans on Friday. Well. <laughs>
1: I, I bet you were chomping at the bit uh, through the first half of the show to jump right in because we were talking. We had uh, a couple of really neat pre-show conversations, but let's let's. Um, I was going to say let's get to the important stuff right before we get <laughs> yeah. to a couple of stories that you brought us, Michael. that We're going to dive into. Let's celebrate something. Uh, so national uh, yesterday was National Girl Scout Day. Right, it, it coincides with the founding date of the uh, organization. that's helped so many folks come become business leaders and, and help so many folks on the journey but we love talking food here at supply chain now for, for a lot of a lot of us it is girl scout cookie season as well so Michael uh fun warm-up question here what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie
3: uh that's amazing you know and I love when they run the the, the Girl Scouts run those specials <laughs> like you buy three you get right. the fourth free uh so for me it's it's the ones with the coconut it's yeah, the because, it's the right. Samoas yeah. I think they're called or Samoa's yeah. Of the coconut, okay. oh, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely.
1: That, that's at the bottom of my list, but that's okay. Uh, uh, um, that's, that's okay. Ed, different strokes, different folks. Kevin, your favorite cookie, Girl Scout cookie.
2: Nothing but shortbread, baby. Okay. <laughs>
1: oh, that's a very simple but elegant approach. Yeah, I like simple that. Simple but elegant. I like that, Greg. All right, Greg. Thin mints, frozen, 100%. <laughs> same, same. Frozen, yeah. Put them in frozen. the freezer, man. It's
0: game changing.
1: We've yeah. talked. We, uh, Greg. I think we've talked about this best practice Love each it. year for the last four years. Is that right? And okay. Yes. So we got to we got to shout from the mountaintops more, and and help folks out there. But thin mints, uh, frozen a little bit, man. They are delightful. So, mm-hmm. uh, and and they get the they get today's blue ribbon. Um. All right. We got no no <laughs> no, for, no no. Oh know. man, I didn't I didn't realize there was a prize.
0: So you're you're seeing thin mints frozen as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
2: Look, look yeah. when we have Armageddon, those shortbreads yeah. are going to be right there, me. Right? <laughs> I want to eat my shortbreads, and you guys are going to be wondering about your melted, you okay. know, chocolate. Uh, and there's going to be plenty of
0: Samoas left over, Kevin. <laughs> yes. I've already told my entire family if coconut was the last food on earth, I would starve to death. Oh, Michael. <laughs> <So, laughs>
1: Fighting words. Fighting words. All right. Well, thank we'll you. All uh, those for you, Michael. That's, that's great. right. You've got all the supply in the world. <laughs> that's great. Okay. Thank you all for playing along. And and folks in the chat, y'all let us know, uh, where have we gone wrong? Uh, Catherine says, <laughs> I don't think I've wrong. ever heard someone say shortbread is their favorite. Hey, right, well, let's say hear your
2: hers. Secret. Right. You know, all you guys, don't, don't eat no shortbreads, okay? You don't <laughs> want them. They're nasty, you know.
3: <laughs> I hear you. Do you drink those? Do you eat those with like do you drink tea? Oh, like, with that oh. No, 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 There's no. Some, no.
2: Uh, you know, Jack Daniels go well with cookies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. you, you never know where when you talk about Girl Scout cookies, you never know where the conversation goes. So thank y'all all for playing along. Uh into uh kidding aside. We got a lot of stuff to get into here with Michael. Uh, Michael, great to have you here from uh beautiful Denver, uh Colorado. Let's talk. Ooh. Um For starters, I want to talk about um, picking back up on this article here from our friends at Wall Street Journal. Robotic limitations. Uh, Kevin and Greg were kind of alluding to this on the the last segment of the conversation. Robotic limitations are holding back some efforts to fully automate fulfillment centers. So, Michael, tell us more here.
3: As a child of the '80s, when movies were great, Oscars last night, and you see you you see all these robot movies. I love robots. Uh, Now. I think the real world is starting to set in, though, in that there's just a lot of different products to move out there. And until a robot can develop its uh, opposable thumbs and uh, like a human being, we're just going to have a hard time deploying these robots fully in a warehouse to have that dark warehouse. Uh, Robots are, in my mind, supportive to human beings. They're additive. Uh, They are going to replace some of our activities, but not all of our activities. So I think it's super important. And I think one thing that this article highlights is, these technologies are going to coexist with human beings in the future, not yeah, necessarily replace us.
1: Very nicely said, uh, Michael. That falls right in line, I think, Greg, to what we have chatted about uh, quite for years now. But, Greg, your thoughts around what Michael just shared, as well as this uh, this article here from the Wall Street Journal about some of the limitations when it comes to robotic technologies.
0: Yeah, well, I've seen dark warehouses uh, before. And as it turns out, it still takes a human even just to sweep the floor. So, um, <laughs> so they're not. <laughs> dark <laughs> um, but I, I think that I think we have to think of things in terms of layers right there are aspects of a business that can be completely dark I think of a um, one of my favorite uh, wine and spirits uh, warehouse that I went to in Norway once where one section was completely automated and this was easily 10 years ago yeah mm. easily 10 years ago Wow uh, but that was for instance that was entire pallets being shipped. Right, all the pallets were scanned. They were literally in a dark section. I guess they were just trying to make the point by leaving the lights out. Um, they were literally in a dark section, and they were robotically selected and placed on a conveyor, and then and then conveyed down to a truck, robotically placed on the truck. But you have to juxtapose that with, for instance, vintage wines, which they are not going to let a robot anywhere near. <laughs> is one one thousand dollar bottle, or five hundred or fifty dollar bottle, right? And those were being hand selected and carefully placed into ind- individually packed sockets that went into a, what looked like a case of wine box. So mm-hmm. we have to think about where, to Michael's point, where robots are assistive, where robots are uh, the complete solution and where they aren't the solution at all. And I think yeah. to think that, uh, especially right now, I'm not saying that it can ever happen. I think we would be crazy to say that it can't, anything can't ever happen. But, um, but today we can't even envision where a robot could do certain things, certain of the really delicate or in- intricate activities, because even with opposable thumbs, who wants to risk a thousand dollar bottle of wine? Right. right to save right. 15 cents in moving and shipping it. I mean, that, that's, mm. that's really the kind of, of economic weighting you have to consider. So. Um, I think if we think about it in layers, instead of thinking about the great robot overlord uh, overtaking like iRobot, not the company, but the movie. Right. (laughs) Um, Isaac Asimov.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I think that's more where we'll land. And by the way, robots don't go out and apply for jobs. Right. Guess who brings them to the site to employ them?
1: People. <laughs> Good stuff there, Greg. All right, Kevin, I want you to weigh in and then Michael, I'm gonna give you the final word on this first article, then we're gonna to move to the next one. Kevin.
2: Well, we're in a nod to the Oscars. Movies are built on fantasy. So all those I love robot movies too, but they are fantasy. Uh and number two, robot is not the right name, they are cobots. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. They are there to assist humans. And as long as you keep that in mind, you know, you'll be fine. Don't go into fantasy. I love movies, but I know I'm looking at a fantasy. All right? So when you're in business, understand what you see in a movie is a fantasy and what you're deploying aren't robots. They are cobots. Make Uh sure you understand how they are cooperating with the humans, uh, in order to make your business better,
1: Kevin, I love that. Love that, folks. You can down. You can check out the article that we're referencing here. The link is in the chat. And Michael, before we get your last comment here, I just got to share again this image. These are some serious robots. Uh, I'm not sure where the team got this image from, but man, fantasy. Uh, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, one with an automatic <laughs> weapon right there. Is that you? Is that your man. robot? You want walking around with automatic weapons?
1: I think those are transformers, aren't they? Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. Um, all right, Michael, uh, your lo- your final word here uh around uh robots and limitations, advantages, you name it, your final word before we move on.
3: I think a lot of your listeners are coming from that that third part third party logistics community. And and what makes third party logistics so special is their their agility. You know, for for this year and next year, they're receiving wiring harnesses and distributing that to an automotive plant. The next year they're gonna be doing toys and the year after that they're going to be doing something else and so the changing product size product dimensions for a third-party logistics provider in my mind isn't a fit because that makes them less agile now if it's pfizer who knows their product plan for the next five years and knows they're going to have a consistent product in the same box forever awesome use case for for a cobot robot to help out there on the manufacturing side but you know at i think last year was estimated spend for third-party logistics was 250 billion in growing And what makes those third-party logistics providers so special is their agility, which comes with human beings working in the warehouse. Mm.
1: Love that. Love that. And by the way... Uh you, you may know this guy. Yosh says those robots look like warehousing optimization robots. Man, there's some heavy duty, some heavy duty optimization. I love that Yosh Work <laughs> go faster. <laughs> right, that's right, Greg. Um all right, before we transition, I want to go back. You know the Girl Scout cookies were getting lots of attention. Anthony says dozy dos all day every day. Oh, I oh, love yeah, that. I thought
0: about those. Those are like a
1: uh... A
0: good version of Nutter Butters.
1: Right, right. Dunked the
0: milk. Those yes. are delicious, man. Yeah.
1: Now, Kamisha is a fellow Trefoils shortbread all, all right. the way. So all Kevin, the way, shortbread.
2: Got, shortbread, baby.
1: Thin Mint. Hashtag Team Thin Mint all the way. <laughs> and I think this is a man that says, give me all the dosy dose. And And I'm with Michael. I love Samoas. Okay. All right. Uh, a house divided here Uh at, at uh, supply Chain now home, we know who wins in that case. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's no thin mints here. There's no thin mints here. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for thanks for uh, chiming in. We got a lot more to get to. As, uh, Catherine says hashtag <laughs> Thin Mint Mafia. <laughs> all right. So let's get to this next story, uh, Michael. Because uh, we're talking, you know, it kind of um, it's a nice bookend for where we started the conversation with a lot of Greg and Kevin's thoughts around uh, SVB. So here. We're talking about um, SoftBank. Uh, Evidently, they're on the prowl as they've been chasing down Berkshire Gray. So, Michael, tell us more about this.
3: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, SoftBank, uh, uh, great great investment investment fund, we always read about them, whether it was WeWork or all the different investments that they've made throughout history. Uh, and they're, they're sort of like a leading indicator, right? They're willing to make those risky bets. And and so they, they believe it or not, I don't know if everybody remembers, they purchased uh, Boston Dynamics with, uh, everybody knows the, <laughs> the creepy dog that walks around. And then now Boston Dynamics has the stretch robot that can reach into trucks and unload. Uh, they purchased Boston Dynamics, then sold Boston Dynamics to Hyundai, which I think was a good move. But, anyways, uh, the story here is, um, you know, largest uh, investment fund and in one of the largest investment funds in the world continues to invest in robots. I think it is a smart play. We will see them as cobots, like Kevin alluded.
1: All right, so. You mentioned a couple of those things that make up my nightmares, uh, Michael. Uh, I think I can't remember which pizza company started messing around with robotic delivery in the first generation of that uh, robotic deliverer. I was not going to open the door if they were knocking, even if it was the most tastiest pepperoni, thick crust pizza. No, sir. Um, All right, but kidding aside, uh, let's see here. Kevin, let's go to you first here. Your, Your thoughts around this development from Bloomberg. SoftBank chasing after uh, Berkshire Gray and wanting to in- invest more and more in robotics?
2: Well, I think, uh, like Michael said, they are a leading indicator, right? Um, that's smart money right there. And you, all, you always got to follow that smart money. Mm. Um, so um, I think uh, uh, warehousing, the, uh, the effects of, of nearshoring, um, the flexibility with respect to uh, those processes, the the whole need to be able to deliver a product or service to a marketplace of one uh, that um, you know personalization, mm. uh, extreme personalization, yeah, mass uh, personalization, that we have mass personalization, all of that really you 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 need robots that don't make a mistake yes you mm. need the you need the humans to to program them uh but you need to get rid of all the mistakes that humans uh do so um so soft, soft bots with um artificial intelligence that's been uh, programmed by you know real intelligence
1: of humans mm. <laughs> okay greg uh what's old is new again. I think we, we, we've kind of had a very well rounded conversation today around robotics. Your thoughts around what SoftBank is doing, Greg. It, well,
0: um, I'm not as huge a fan of SoftBank and they're investing. Um, I think, I think the, <laughs> <laughs> the last few years have bor- borne out the fact that they're as vulnerable as any other investor. And, um, you know, investing in Adam Newman at WeWork shows mm. what, Forty-five minutes and a gram of cocaine can do for you. <laughs> <laughs> but only, only joking, Massey. <laughs> uh, 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 asterisk only joking. Only joking. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag, uh, but I, I think I think uh, Berkshire Gray is a great is a good investment because their stock has been uh, flagging a little bit lately. And instead of what I haven't been a huge fan of with SoftBank, which is betting huge amounts of money on unproven companies and just kind of throwing it at a 100 different investments uh knowing that 90 of those will fail and 10 10 will stagnate and one will be a unicorn uh i think this is a much much more reasonable and well established uh company uh approach and and they're they're going to shift their approach just like we just talked about with with uh silicon valley bank they have already shifted their approach massio's san has apologized for his hubris over the last couple of years a few months ago and i think that was shortly after he disappeared for 30 days i'm sure he was given some reeducation by the mm. uh, by the chinese communist party and um and he saw the light strangely <laughs>
2: I um,
0: <clears throat> no <laughs> uh but I, I think it's uh i think it's Im- important to recognize that that robots in whatever form they are they are the future they frankly yeah. have to be the future now the decline of of the human population is inevitable by 2050 the human population will be declining so um and we're also seeing the largest generation in the history of earth retiring at an incredible at, at a the, a regular rate of 10,000 per day but also remember that in 2021 over 3 million extra baby boomers retired yep, um, and they're not coming back for the most part, right? So um, this we have to realize that the great resignation was a, a generation that was on its way out of the workforce to begin with. And a lot of what we've talked about here, the actual or human intelligence that informs artificial intelligence is or has is leaving or has left the workforce. And what we need to focus on is capturing that knowledge and expertise and you know how those opposable thumbs get used and (laughs) whatever else we need to know right right? that's right Um, to make sure that we're that we're um enabling the technology of tomorrow which will be in large part robotics yes um you you know we're enabling that to solve the problems of now and into the future
2: Yeah. yeah remember how long it took us to reinvent concrete after the
1: romans that's right. Well, <laughs> we're still chasing down their recipe. We still don't know their yeah. recipe, Kevin.
0: Um yeah. In some countries haven't even succeeded right. yet.
1: Right. <laughs> right. So, Michael, I'll give you the final word because you what if my uh thought here today, if folks have heard anything, it's not that our panel here today, our conversation is is um um you know talking poorly of robotics, it's more about the approach, right? whether it's robotics or technology or ERP or whatever, for those teams, those management teams out there that buy it and throw over the fence, which is one of the things we talked about on With That Said, that approach is going to, um, it's not going to win and not nearly as often enough as it should win. But Michael, speak to the approach. You know, it's like with everything else in life. It's all about the approach. Your final thought here, and we're going to learn more about Fulfilled. Michael?
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's the acknowledgement that I need to be able to, me as a logistics operator, whether I'm working at Procter & Gamble or I'm working at a 3PL, I, I need to be aware of and I need to know that it's going to be a yeah. hybrid environment in the future. And, and technologies that I have today implemented in my supply chain need to be aware of both the human and non-human that are going to be interacting in the warehouse. And if my I have technologies today that don't have the ability to control a robot or I have robot technologies that can't interact with a human being. I have a problem and I need a plan for this hybrid environment in the future. Yep. Well said. Regardless
0: of what you say about technology, it's inevitable. So it doesn't really matter what we say here, right? That's I mean, true. it doesn't matter whether we're for it or as my great uncle would say for it or again, it, <laughs> it's going to happen <laughs> because it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It has to happen, right? It right. literally has to happen for commerce to continue. So I think that's an important thing for us to recognize. Not be afraid of it. That's right. Great point. To Michael's point and to yours, well, to all of your point. It, <laughs> all it the is points. How you, all points. It is how you deploy it, right? Yes. It is how you use it, and it is where you use it. Identifying the appropriate segment to use the appropriate type of automation or robotics or digital transformation of any kind. Yes. Right. Because it's not one size
1: fits all. That's right. Well said, Greg. Uh, well said. A lot of T-shirt-isms in your, what you just shared there. <laughs> t shirt uh, Ryan says, get ready for a big shift on many levels for the human race. Because it's coming. As Greg says, it is inevitable. Okay. So, Michael, um, let's talk about Fulfilled. So, in a, in a nutshell, small nutshell for the three people out there that, that don't know yet, tell us what uh, you and the Fulfilled team are up to.
3: Yeah. So, we're, we're a software company, and we're out to create the Citizen Warehouse Worker. Uh, if you, if you look at the Bureau of labor and statistics, resource turnover in the warehouse is over 40% on average. We have some customers that are well over hundred percent resource turnover per year in the warehouse. We have a shorter shortage of employees in the workforce. And so we acknowledge that again, at, being a software technology company, we need to create that citizen warehouse worker who can walk in, pick up a device and be effective. And we do that by creating that digital twin of the warehouse and using indoor positioning functionality to navigate that worker throughout their day. That way, they're effective day one or day two rather than having a job shadow for a couple of weeks.
1: Mm, Like it. Uh, Sounds like a a sound and smart approach. We've been fortunate to have a couple of conversations with you and the team. Uh, Greg, get you to respond to what Michael just described, because, you know, if there's anything you've talked about time and time again, was it up to four D's or five D's that folks are avoiding? (laughs) Just four. Yeah. Okay.
0: Dark, dirty, dangerous, and dull, right? Okay. Um I think I think look, uh to, and this is to the point that Kevin made earlier with, with RPA, the days of getting away with nine month or one year or three year implementations of technology hopefully will be gone soon, but they are fading fast. And and the experience of using technology in the workplace needs to be more like the experience of using the technology outside the workplace. Right. It needs to be more like a regular consumer type solution where you can walk in, do the damn job, walk out, go to another warehouse and do the same or different damn job Mm. with different or same technology. Right. So this notion of being able to pick something up, intuitively know how to use it in the workplace and get to work is absolutely critical.
1: Well said, so Greg. I
0: think that's a, that's an important foundation of how technology will be deployed in the future. App like is the notion that I you yeah. know I think of.
2: Yep. Kevin. So when's the last time you saw a user's guide?
1: <laughs> one that we read, or, or oh, was yeah. one <laughs> <in the laughs> user's
0: guide, Kevin.
2: <laughs> well, that's where robotics is. That's where yeah. we're going, right? In business, the robot's gonna show up and you're gonna tell it go over there. And do blah blah blah, and it's going to go over and do it. You're not you're not going to need a, a user's guide. Um, yep. uh, it's going to be part of uh, it's it will be an integral part of business. Yep. Um, and just expect it and get ready for it, that's and right. be and understand that it's something that's needed for for our society to move forward.
1: Uh, and you got to partner with the pros. So if you want to learn more about what Michael, Yosh, and team are doing at Fulfilled, check them out, fulfilled.io. Uh, Michael, if I'm not mistaken, y'all are going to be at Promat, right? Uh, networking, showcasing, innovating, maybe having an adult beverage or two, I don't know. And you would invite folks to come check y'all out at uh, Promat, right?
3: That's right. That's right. At ProMat, we were we we're proud to be accepted into the startup pavilion. So we'll, we'll be showcased with nine other startups in the start, startup pavilion over at ProMat. Uh, we'll there every day, work in the booth, and and come by. We'll be the guys in the in the blue vests. You'll see us there.
1: Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. And folks, we got some links there in the chat, including if you want to set up a a, a cup of coffee with Michael Yoshna the team. Y'all click the link. You are gonna have happen. some
2: shortbread cookies with
1: that coffee? Uh, <laughs> 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 nice kevin <laughs> nice right on time
0: all the well slow as you want kevin. <laughs> Great.
1: so uh michael uh what's one thing that you're looking forward to
3: at promap you know i again i'm a I'm, I'm big into ai and digital twin and i'm looking forward to just seeing you know how is ai being going to be leveraged in the supply chain yeah. this year next year and the years after uh whether that's robots whether that's software um you know All the AMRs out there, the assistive co that are going to be there at the show, excited to talk to them, excited to see Boston Dynamics again. I love their, 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 their stuff. It's, a, it's super cool to look at. So And excited to just meet, meet a lot of great supply team people. Uh, it's that. a great conference, a lot of great thought leaders there.
1: Well, folks, y'all go check them out. Uh, Michael, beyond Promat, for the handful of folks that, that aren't going to be able to make Promat, how can folks connect with you and the Fulfilled team?
3: Yeah, well, there's always the website, Fulfilled.io. There's no E in Fulfilled. And then over on LinkedIn, just look up Michael Pytel, P-Y-T-E-L. Happy to connect, share knowledge, bounce ideas off each other.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, on behalf of me and Kevin and Greg and the whole team, thanks for joining us here today. We've been chatting with Michael Pytel, Chief Technology Officer with Fulfilled. Michael, we'll see you again really soon. Thanks, Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Kevin. All right. So the big news here, the big news, drum roll, please. Yes, Yosh says, for you, Kevin, they will have hmm. those shortbread oh. cookies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. well, be flying for, you'll be flying in from the West Coast.
1: Probably yes. a little
0: bit far. and so uh, a pillow.
1: All right. So, hey, we've got a couple extra minutes. Uh, Michael is very efficient. Uh, all y'all have been very efficient with, with some heavy-hitting topics here today. Um, I'm going to pose Kamisha's question to both y'all. And uh, Greg, let's let's start with you. Kamisha says, "What are your thoughts on the integrity of the data and intelligence fed into the AI engines?" We've talked about this before. Yeah. Greg, your thoughts?
0: Uh, that's important. It's not currently universal. Um, y- you introduce a lot of bias in b- by the data that you put in, which is okay. why notions like um, and I have to confess invested in companies that do this notions like synthetic data are, are created to assure the, the um, neutrality, right? Lack of bias in the data. For instance, mm-hmm. if you train a shoe. If you train AI to see, to see shoes by showing it only men's shoes, it will only identify men's shoes as shoes and not women's yeah. shoes. Right. Great point. You chain yeah. it only to have see white people as doctors, it won't see anyone else as a doctor regardless of whether they're wearing a white coat. So you have to create a a synthetic sort of environment and sort of cleanse that bias out um, when you're doing that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that we need to pay more attention to. I mean, chat GPT is a great example. It can only report what it reads. I think it's important for people to recognize that, that chat GPT cannot innovate. It, it cannot tell you anything that it can't read, mm. right? Right. Um, and then it does this sort of internal argument. That's what these. And th- that's what their the, the pure mechanism is, and says yeah. this seems to be more credible than that. But it it can be wrong, and is frequently wrong on that. So yeah, I think what we have to recognize is that we have to be careful with the data to make sure that it is in fact as neutral as possible. And we also have to train AI to recognize uh, data and and its potential biases. So yep. um, how, you, how you teach, it's like anything that you teach. I, I, I've always said this, AI is not our master and overlord. AI is our child. And if we teach our child a certain way, it will have certain biases. If you teach a child in a very neutral way, it will have a more neutral point, point of view on the world and a more open, I guess, point of view on the world. And I think that's what we have to think about.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts to uh,
2: Kamisha's question. Well, first of all, artificial intelligence is a reflection of the human intelligence, of human intelligence. So uh, that's why it's important to not transfer uh, the biases um, that uh, humans have. We don't want to um, make the same mistakes that we have as we go forward. I think it's important to understand that a synthetic environment, was developed specifically to train artificial intelligence, is is a crucial uh, step. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and just like our own society, that synthetic um, environment needs also has the ability to change and improve as, as we move forward so that artificial intelligence can change and improve as our, as we move forward and and hopefully improve ourselves yeah so um uh, yes you know it's it's imperfect now and it will always be imperfect unless we work together that's to right to improve it
1: uh, you know uh truly i know it's cliche but what's old is new again i mean the challenges associated with uh, giving AI, um, accurate, uh, well-rounded, um, information, you know, feeding into so that you get good stuff on the other side. I mean, heck 20, 20 years ago, uh, I was, I was working on maintenance data systems for the air force, right? Garbage in is still garbage out. It's, a, it's, it's, right. a you know, nothing's different. Uh, it's just applied to a different part of technology, different part of business, different part of, uh, of the innovative, uh, bleeding edge landscape. So, uh, Kamisha, great question, and uh, thanks for joining us here today. We'll talk a lot more about that um, in the shows to come. Greg and Kevin, always a pleasure. I gotta throw this out there, Catherine. You mentioned Chat GPT. I gotta gotta take that really slow when I say that, Greg. Catherine says, first grad term we had to sign an agreement that we wouldn't use AI or Chat GPT (laughs) for the grad school papers. Uh, That's that's where we are. That's where we are, Catherine. Thank you for sharing.
0: So. I mean, let's think about this. So ChatGPT becomes really, really prominent, right? Uh, I think it was uh, Princeton student created an AI technology that can detect that ChatGPT has written a paper, has written content. So, you know, it kind of builds on itself. And I think that internal discernment, right? I mean, you can be filled with garbage.
1: Yeah. I know
0: people. You can be filled with garbage and have and have whatever is the opposite of garbage, honey, <laughs> sugar, come out, right? Because I know people who were raised by terrible, terrible people who are, in <laughs> fact, themselves. Their, their rebellion was to become a really, really good person, right? Mm. So, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily garbage in, garbage out, but you have to have an internal discernment engine that filters all of that to say, Uh, This is my source. My source is a terrible person. Therefore, the opposite of this is probably true. Let me investigate that kind of thing.
2: Right. And you always have to know that you can get better no matter where you are. You can always get better.
1: Endless curiosity. And if we have our options, uh, I'd rather put uh, non-garbage in. (laughs) We don't always,
0: do we? I mean, we really we
1: don't know. always, right? Sometimes them. we're limited to the data that we have available, right? Yeah. That's a great point. All the time. Greg. we are limited. Yeah, that's yeah. What, yeah, that's right. All the time we are. That's right. Um, okay, Greg White, Kevin L. Jackson, we gotta stop here. Uh, Greg, always a pleasure. I yeah, love these cool. buzz conversations. Cool. We had two rock and roll guests with us here today, but well, Greg really we enjoyed it. Nine
2: point eight pounds into that bag. To
1: oh see. man, we we did. It is. But thank you, Greg. Thank you, Kevin, for all the folks that showed up here today, man. Thanks so much for all the comments that we couldn't get to all of them. Great audience. Great audience. Great questions. uh, Full conversation. A lot more to come. Big thanks to Michael Patel and the Fulfilled team for dropping in as well. Y'all make sure you connect with them, whether it's at Promatter or somewhere else. But whatever you do, hey, don't just take this goodness from Greg and Kevin and Michael and ruminate on it. Man, act on it. Deeds, not words. And with that said, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. We'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody.
3: Thanks for being a part of our Supply
0: Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com. And make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.